Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, where your source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development, where we share original research, explore industry trends, and interview executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We hope you join us often for practitioner-oriented content around all things related to leadership, HR, talent management, organizational development, and change management. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Do you enjoy the Human Capital Innovations Podcast? Please subscribe, leave a review, comment, share, and consider supporting the podcast on Patreon, even at the producer and sponsorship levels. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with John Estafanis about building high-performing and inclusive teams. John Estefanis, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Thank you, sir. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be with you. I'm super excited for this conversation. We're going to be talking about related topics um, that connect and are really important in organizations, ones that I spend a lot of time and energy thinking about and talking about with individuals, teams, and organizations, and that is building high-performing teams and building inclusive teams. And really, the two go hand in hand. And when we can have inclusive, high-performing teams, that's where the magic happens and and so many great things can happen for individuals, teams, and organizations. As we get started, I wanted to share John's bio with everybody. John Estefanis is the founder and CEO of RallyBright, a SaaS team development platform which helps business leaders improve team performance dynamics and inclusion. John helps business leaders build high-performing, inclusive teams, and he works with leaders of teams of all sizes and levels of organizations, ranging from startups to unicorns to enterprise tech companies and household names in healthcare and media. He also partners with organizational people leaders interested in measuring inclusion and collaboration. I love all of that. That's fantastic. Anything else you would like to share with listeners by way of your background or personal context before we dive on in further? Yeah, no, I think the most important thing for me is um, aligning with the mission of our organization here at RallyBright, which is to make work better for everybody. And we believe the way to do that is by helping managers become better leaders and build those high-performing and inclusive teams. Um, Started the company because I spent many years as a global executive working with teams around the world. And one thing I always lacked was the insight as to what was actually happening on the ground. So we wanted to democratize that, normalize that, and provide measurement for a lot of the softer side of things that actually are absolutely critical to driving how people and organizations perform. Yeah, yeah, I love it. Wonderful. And having having that uh, executive, global executive background, and then bringing that into your current work, I think that's that's a tremendous perspective and that allows you, I imagine, to both gain a lot of credibility with clients, but also just have the perspective needed uh, to be successful as you move forward. So that's fantastic. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about how you made the transition, uh, how you moved from the executive space into yeah. starting your own organization? Yeah, absolutely. Well, first and foremost, I've always had a startup bug. So I actually started my first company way back when after making the mistake of going to law school. 
So when I graduated, decided I was going to be an entrepreneur and that was the beginning of it. But the transition from the global executive was after um, I had worked in the field for about a dozen years um, in, in that role, I, uh, I wanted to take some time and really focus on what my personal mission and values were. And um, I knew flat out that all of the success I've had or all of the success I've seen in organizations was really not about an individual. It was about a group of individuals working together to achieve a common purpose. So focusing on teams was a number one priority. Number two, um, I've always been a techie. So technology is something that's near and dear to me. Data is near and dear to me. Um, but more importantly, if you want to make a dent in the universe or, or, or change the way people work, you, you have to be able to scale. And the best way to scale is through technology. And then the third kind of founding principle behind why I decided to do this was um, ultimately your success is in helping others lead and grow and help and allowing them to pay it forward and help more people learn and grow. So it's all about the people. So once again, focusing on teams as the core operating units, focusing on technology as an ability to scale and focusing on people ultimately was what I wanted to do. So I had the great fortune of having worked with um, an executive psychologist who was embedded at Microsoft for over 18 years. And I built some tech for her during our first startup and she came on as our founding partner and we built RallyBright. We built the start of RallyBright. That's fantastic. I, and I love those core values and principles that have guided you as you've gone through your career. And for anyone listening, regardless of whether your values and principles align with John's um, or you have different ones, I'm not sure that even matters all that much. Um, what's really important though, and what I think you're modeling really well is the fact that you are very thoughtful about those core values and driving principles and trying to stay true to them. And so I think a lot of us find ourselves floating through life and we find ourselves kind of just going with the breeze and, and sometimes chasing the low hanging fruit or just going after what's easy. And that isn't necessarily a bad thing, but it, it means that we can very quickly have mission and scope creep and end up doing something that we really have no interest in doing. And we're not going to find fulfillment, meaning and purpose. And we're not going to be particularly happy. And we're not going to add as much value to the world and to our teams and to our customers as we would otherwise. So, so just taking the time to think through that and to be able to clearly articulate your driving values and uh, principles, I think is really important. So I appreciate you sharing that with us. Uh, that was a great example. So now you find yourself in this space, you, you started Rally Bright. Um, let's talk before we talk a little bit about what you do with uh, Rally Bright. Let's talk a little bit more about high performing teams and inclusive teams, define those a little bit, and then talk about how they connect with each other. And then we can get into more about how you go about doing that with Rally Bright. Yeah, absolutely. So, so high performing teams, we like to call them resilient teams, are teams that can engage with adversity. They can sustain their performance through various obstacles. They can rebound um, from challenges and setbacks and they can learn and grow from the experience. So um, when we look at high performing teams, they have those characteristics or qualities to them. Um, what, what's hard to do is how do you, is, is measuring those, right? Like how do you actually measure the things that drive that? And it really fits into two buckets, um, team dynamics, how we work together and team impact, how we achieve that, those, those business goals or how we impact the business that we're working on. Um, so, so by looking at impact and, um, and, and engagement with the team dynamics, we're, we're able to get an idea of what, what drives a high performing team. Um, as we were, you know, just kind of digging into the engagement or the team dynamic side, the most important components of that 
are really focused on inclusion. If people don't feel like they belong, if they don't have psychological safety, if we're not communicating clearly, um, we're not going to be able to, to have, you know, that those strong dynamics and we're not going to be able to, and if we're not working well together or collaborating well together, we're not delivering against the impact or, or, or the shared purpose that we are all working towards in our, in our jobs. So, so by pulling those two together, that's kind of how we look at a high performing teams looking at engagement and impact and then um, B inclusive teams, which are focused on inclusion and collaboration, um, which is really how we work together. And ultimately, by taking those two components of performance and inclusion, I think it's um, it's a great way to look at how are we doing. It's a great way to measure against your goals as you're building teams or as you're participating in teams, because ultimately that's how you you know achieve that personal fulfillment, um, your 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 team fulfillment, and then your organizational fulfillment as well. Yeah, and we all want inclusive teams. Uh, we all want high-performing teams. Something you just said, I, I think, is really important, and that that is we we have to be clear on defining what that means for us. Uh, what does high performance look like for our team, for our organization? And in order to be able to do that, you have to be very clear on the mission and purpose of the organization, the mission and purpose of your team. You have to have a very clear understanding of you know the value you bring to the marketplace. And, and then you have to seek for alignment with all of those things, right? And then you have to create the metrics, or I guess first the objectives uh, and the KPIs and, and go after the metrics and actually measure it, you know, to see if you're performing at a high level. And so we talk a lot about high-performing teams. Um, again, I think everyone wants their team to be high-performing, but you, I mean, you could theoretically be quite high-performing in one area that doesn't actually matter all that much to the organization, and not perform very well at all in the areas that actually matter. Uh, so we need to be very clear about aligning and we have to take, that That just means we have to take the time to have the conversations and be very crystal clear for ourselves as a leader, for our pe the people on our teams, be crystal clear about what we're trying to accomplish and why and regularly communicate that so you can measure it and, and actually gauge things over time. Yeah. John, I, I think you hit the nail on the head. Direction is actually the most important dimension behind high-performing teams, and that is having that shared purpose, that shared vision, and aligning that with your organizational values. And I think um, you also mentioned something really critical. You have to be able to measure these things. And it's usually not you know, the numbers at the end of the quarter or the quotas that you're trying to hit. Those are what we like to call spreadsheet or business intelligence or CRM metrics. There are ways to measure performance in ways like our behaviors aligning with our goals and do we have a way of actually tracking that so it could be okrs it could be kpis it could be measuring the core fundamental behaviors of how the team interacts with one another because even if you're hitting those numbers and you're considered quote unquote high performing by organizational standards think about what you might be leaving on the table and the old adage what we often measure doesn't really matter and what matters is hard to measure, right? Uh, and that's very true. You know, there, there's all sorts of metrics that are pretty darn easy to collect, but they're pretty meaningless. <laughs> and it's it's so interesting to see organizations chase those fairly meaningless metrics uh, because it's a little bit harder to do the meaningful stuff. Um, and so, but we, we can't fool ourselves. I mean, garbage data in, garbage results out. And if, if we're not measuring the right thing, uh, then we're not actually making informed, you know, data-based decisions, uh, or at least not the data that matters, right? Right, 
Right. And, and data is absolutely critical. And I think one of the things we found or something I actually experienced throughout my career um, was it's hard to get that data at the ground level. You may have insights into how a leader is performing. You may have insights as to how you know teams are delivering against their numbers. But what you don't have insights into is how is the team working together? How is that individual contributor, individual contributor showing up with the people that they work with every single day? And are they included? Are they performing? Do they feel safe? Are we surfacing all sorts of new ideas? Do we have constructive conflict or do we have de destructive conflict? Because we want to be able to drive innovation and creativity and new ways of problem solving. And if people don't have the space to do that, think about what you're leaving on the table. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Academy, courses, micro-credentials, and certificates to upskill and reskill for the future of work. All HCI Academy courses, micro-credentials, and certificates are designed, developed, and delivered by award-winning and internationally renowned scholars, educators, thought leaders, executives, and practitioners. Our courses, micro-credentials, and certificates will help you make your mark on the future of work and make an immediate impact in your organizations check out the HCI Academy and our many course offerings and certificates to upskill and reskill for the future of work. Check out our new weekly LinkedIn newsletter, Alchemizing Human Capital, exploring industry trends via original research and interviews with executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We look forward to having you join us. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you just started to talk a little bit about uh, the inclusion element. Let's define that quickly, what that means for you. Um, and you've already you know, started to make the connection with high performance, um, but then we can go further into uh, talking about your platform. Yeah, so so inclusion is 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 really interesting to us, um, and in fact, we wanted to we we, we launched our, our team performance product four years ago, and we realized there was more around the engagement side, and we wanted to dig deeper into inclusion. So we actually conducted a study last year over the summer to really get an understanding of how do you start to measure and define inclusion. So we actually broke it up into you know two different components: um, psychological safety and belonging. Um, so psychological safety is all about being able to show up as your authentic self, to speak freely, to embrace failure, and belonging is all about contribution. Are, you know, are my skills, are my opinions, are, 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 they, are they heard and are they, are, are they um, accepted and are they acted upon? And then um, belonging also relates to connection, um, which, which we talked a little bit about earlier. Like how, how are we working with others? Is, is, it a, is it a good environment for us to be working together? And, do I feel connected to the people that I work with every single day? So those two, um, I, I would call them dimensions of inclusion, were how we kind of came up and started to, to, to quantify that. And it was really fascinating because what we found is that organizations with high inclusion, meaning they were in the top quartile of, of respondents, um, their people were 10 times less likely to leave. So turnover intent was 2.4% for people that were in that top quartile of feeling included. That jumped up to 25% when you got into the bottom three quartiles. 
And what we also found related to inclusion was that belonging was the biggest predictor of job satisfaction. Mm. So people that feel like they belong, once again, in that top quartile, um, are 30% happier in their jobs. Yeah, that is fascinating. I, I do a lot of work in the the employee engagement and job satisfaction space. I've done a lot of uh, research in that area as well. And, and what you're finding is consistent with what I found. And it it's mind boggling. You know, there, there's plenty of data. <laughs> there's plenty of research that demonstrates what we're talking about. Yep. And yet, and yet so many organizations, uh, you know, they, they either completely disregard it or they think it's fluff or whatever, and they fail to see the actual, you know, return on investment of the, you know, actually invest, you know, investing and putting dollars behind these initiatives. When you're talking about a difference between like 2.5% turnover, turnover intention versus 25 plus percent, that's crazy. That, that represents so much money for the organization and, and, and so much savings. Can we get everyone? I mean, by definition, you can't get everyone into the top quartile, right? right. But you, but you but can. We can raise the bar. But yeah. you can raise the bar, right? You can, yeah. you can, you can move it up and, and help people feel more included, valued, and safe. I, I love all of those components that you've outlined, and ultimately, that's what we all want. We all want to be able to go to work, doing something that we feel like it matters that brings fulfillment, meaning, and purpose to us, and where our contributions are valued. And like you said, we're seen, we're heard, we're given an opportunity to contribute. Uh, and that, that doesn't mean that everything we say is going to be implemented, but it means that we're, we really feel like we're valued and, and our organization cares about what our contributions are. That seems like a pretty low bar to me. Uh, if I'm, if I'm being a common lead, sense, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's common sense. And if I'm a leader, like that seems like a pretty low bar that I need yeah. to like fundamentally surpass just to be half decent as a leader anyways. And so it, it's good that we're calling attention to this because I think that the issue isn't intention. I think most leaders are probably thinking, yeah, I want an inclusive, psychologically safe workplace where people can work together well and collaborate. That's going to bring better performance. You know, they get the business case, they get the human case, they understand why it's important. They have the good intentions. Getting from intention to actual action, though, can be really, really challenging, especially if you're running around like a whirling dervish all day trying to put out fires and just like always in crisis mode, you don't have time to, you know, actually step back and think about what am I doing? How is that, you know, positively or negatively impacting, you know, the type of culture I want to create and foster? Yeah. Um, and, and John, that's a great point. I think we all wear that badge of busy, you know, all too often, right? Um, and it's it, it's hard sometimes to really spend the time, but it does, you know, it does pay off um, if you think about it. Like you mentioned, there's the ROI around attrition alone. What we also found is by by looking at psychological safety and belonging, those are also core drivers of how we measure team performance, which and the engagement on team performance, which is connection, which is all about that psychological trust and safety and communication and conflict, and then also um, attitude. Do we have a growth mindset? Are we willing to learn and make mistakes? Um, do we have shared optimism on the team? Um, if, you're in, if you're on a sales team, if you don't have the right attitudes, you're not gonna deliver against your goals um, or you're leaving a lot on the table. So I think there are those, those harder ROI metrics against a lot of these behaviors or these, these components that we're talking about. Um, and, they're, and they're absolutely critical. And when we looked at actually how people work together, 
um, within collaboration, there's obviously alignment and cooperation, but we also found that there are some softer things which, which drive inclusion as well. So do we have compassion for one another? Empathy, do we, you know, are we empathetic? Are we supportive? We saw a huge spike in empathy um, at the beginning of the pandemic. Teams were becoming, you know, really, really close. Their connection scores were jumping up. Their empathy scores were jumping up. And what we've been finding is um, now we have a barbell effect. So we have people that are really, really connected because they've been through it all together. And we all had to deal with moving to our homes and getting our kids in school online and all sorts of other stuff, whether you were an IC or a leader. But now we have people that have been through it all together and people that are coming onto teams. If you look at the great resignation, the amount of turnover has been insane. So you have a lot of newcomers and we're seeing some people are highly connected on teams while other people are, are struggling a little bit. And then on top of that, we have a little bit of COVID fatigue as well. So some of those people that were fully empathetic and fully engaged with one another, they're just getting tired and burnt out. It's at an all time high right now. There's a lot to be done and it feels like common sense, but unless you're measuring it the right way, or unless you're even just, you have a framework to look at these things, it becomes a lot harder, a lot harder because we're all wearing that badge of busy. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, this is wonderful. And so then all this leads into the platform that you build and yeah. your company Rally Bright. So tell us a little bit more about what you're doing, you know, providing that tech solution to scale high performance and inclusive teams. Yeah, absolutely. So, so as I mentioned, our mission at Rally Bright is to make work better for everybody. And we want to do that by empowering managers to become better leaders and, and build those teams. So we've created several toolkits on this uh, team diagnostic and performance platform. Um, one toolkit is focused on high performing teams. That is our resilient teams product. And that looks at, you know, the things we talked about, connection, attitude, direction, alignment, and then ultimately performance. So how do you enable a manager to get a lens into the behaviors that drive their team strengths and their vulnerabilities. And then on top of that, all of our tools have um, insights and recommendations around their specific team behaviors. And then we provide the leaders with a roadmap to say, hey, you should focus on these three things over the next four to six months, and then let's remeasure and, and assess that. So the Resilient Teams product is focused on team performance and dynamics, and our inclusive collaboration product or toolkit is really focused on inclusion and um, that, that concept of collaboration. How do we improve the work that we do together? Um, really focused on giving a manager a self-directed way to get a benchmark on their team, insights on their team, understand their strengths and vulnerabilities, and more importantly, understand the behaviors that are driving those strengths and vulnerabilities and an action plan as to what they can do to improve them. Yeah, that's fantastic. And tell us then a little bit more about how how these toolkits and, and the various products are utilized. Like, give us an example of how a leader might engage with them. Sure, it's it's a great question. So um, we've, as you mentioned in my bio, we worked with everything from you know six person startups to some of the biggest names in technology and pharmaceuticals in the world. Um, we really do focus on the team. So how do you get started? It starts with a benchmark of your team. You get the insights, you start driving against that. Um, at the end of the day, um, people are utilizing this across multiple uh, job functions. So oftentimes we'll work with executives preparing for a leadership retreat or trying to set their strategy for the next year. How do they get a pulse of where they stand, where their team, where their team is showing up and identifying what their priorities are? Um, I alluded to sales teams earlier. Um, sales teams you know, they really have to be focused on having that, that attitude, uh, that growth mindset, as well as um, having an outside in focus. How are we um, 
activating against a customer first mindset? How are we working with other departments within our organization? Believe it or not, there always tends to be a little bit of friction between sales and marketing or product or with sales. Um, but if you can get to the behaviors that drive those, identify them and get ahead of them, you can streamline your operations. So those are just two examples, executive teams, sales leaders. Um, we've worked with product teams, customer success teams, um, operations teams, finance, legal, you name it. The principles are the same. It's just a question of where do you focus your energy based on what you and your team are trying to achieve. Well, John, I note the time. I'm going to have to let you go here in just a few minutes. It's really been a pleasure. Before we close, I wanted to give you a chance to share with listeners how they can get connected with you, find out more about your work, and then give us a final word on the topic for today. Yeah. Um, so always happy to connect. You can reach me at john, J-O-H-N, at rallybright.com um, or connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, obviously, our website is always open. Uh, and um, final word on the topic. I think understanding how to measure the softer side of leadership is one of the hardest things that I encountered and that I hear from a lot of executives that they're encountering. So think of a framework. It doesn't have to be ours, but if you can improve that psychological safety, that, that feeling of, um, you know, people being able to show up as themselves at work and support that you're going to see exponential returns. Amen. Uh, well said, John, it has been a pleasure. I encourage listeners to reach out, get connected, find out more about what John and his team can do for you. Check out Rally Bright. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe. They can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. Bluer than indigo leadership the journey of becoming a truly remarkable leader. Early in my adult life, I learned about an Asian proverb that translates as bluer than indigo. If you think about the color indigo, it is a brilliant, deep, and vibrant blue, what some would call the bluest of blues. To have something that is bluer than indigo is rare and truly remarkable. Contrary to popular myth, there is no one-size-fits-all or cookie-cutter approach to effective leadership. There is no silver bullet, no secret sauce, no go-to model that will solve all of your problems. The truth is, great leaders have all had their unique strengths and flaws, and have all had to discover and then pave their own distinctive path in their life's journey to fulfill their leadership potential. Bluer Than Indigo Leadership will help you discover your own path and explore those ordinary, everyday actions that will help you respond to an uncertain future and produce extraordinary results for your individuals, teams, and organizations. alchemy of truly remarkable leadership, ordinary everyday actions that produce extraordinary results. Consider how the nature of work has shifted over the past 50 years. With increased globalization, rapid technological advancement, and the shift in economic composition, the average job of today looks very different than the average job of 50 years ago. What will the jobs and organizations of tomorrow look like? Moreover, what does this all mean for organizational leaders? What are the core competencies and capabilities of organizations and their leadership that are prepared for continued disruption and geopolitical and socioeconomic shifts? Regardless of what the future holds, increasingly, leaders need to be socially minded, data-driven, decisive, champions of talent, and disruptors of the traditional notions of leadership, teams, organizations, and work. The alchemy of truly remarkable leadership 
will help you to explore your own leadership competencies and capabilities and consider ways to apply and implement them into your workplace and personal life. Check out Human Capital Innovations magazine, Human Capital Leadership. Human Capital Leadership is a free interactive e-magazine with the mission to help individuals, leaders, and organizations find innovative approaches to maximize their human capital potential. We publish issues quarterly in August, November, February, and May. Take a look at the latest issue and let us know what you think. enjoy the human capital innovations podcast please subscribe leave a review comment share and consider supporting the podcast on patreon even at the producer and sponsorship levels thanks again for joining us for this episode of the human capital innovations podcast i hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week